Welcome to the Know, Like, Trust podcast for real estate professionals. In this podcast, you'll discover what it takes to establish know, like, and trust, and connect with the right people for success in real estate. If you're a marketing strategist, real estate agent, or another professional in the real estate space, and you're interested in building a referral-based business, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, Betty Russo and Christine George. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the No Like Trust podcast. Christine is out today. She's on other business. I'm Betty Russo, so I'll be flying solo with my special guest today. Uh, hopefully, Christine and I will be back together for the next episode. We've kind of been tag teaming lately, but it's all good. So uh, today, I'm talking with William Kadadich. I know I pronounced that right for the first time ever. Yes, um, just when you needed to. Perfect. Yeah. Will is with Crown Home Mortgage, and we're going to be talking about how teaming up with the right professionals can really make a difference in your business. So I'm sure you can all agree that when your clients work with the professionals that you recommend, it's always a beautiful thing. Um, I I love it. I I hope and pray that every single time I am working with a new client, they take my recommendations because um, there's there's just so many things about that that make the real estate transaction go smoother. So William is one of those trusted professionals that I've recommended many, many times. He is, like I said, with Crown Home Mortgage. Um, he's a mortgage loan officer. Well, I have to say, um, more like Will's amazing, but also Crown, where where he works, the company he works for, they really treat their clients like royalty. So I love working with them. I love working with Will. Um, and I always know that my clients are in the best hands with Will. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Betty. Thank you for having me. And you couldn't said it any better. And, and especially in this stressful business, a lot of things are out of our hands. So if you partner with the right people, all you can do is make it smoother. So very excited to be on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. Um, there's so many choices of realtors. As you know, people have so many choices and they do have a lot of choices with, you know, mortgage professionals. Um, sometimes people, you know, want to use a friend of a friend, just like they do in the real estate business or, or, you know, maybe their financial institution. Um, so, with so many choices, I'm curious to know how you become the trusted professional for so many agents. That, that's a great question. So I think it's just, you know, repetition, right? So it's, you know, from your first deal you get with an agent, it's following up, it's, you know, every deal you have to make like it's the same, right? So whether you're super busy or you're super slow, you know, you got to treat that client just as if you're their your only client. Right. And the realtors feel that because you're updating them and so forth. And when you get to that closing table and you see that your buyer that you may have recommended is super happy and thank you so much for referring Will or referring this, you know, home inspection company or this attorney, ultimately it, it makes you look great in the end because that person didn't let you down. So, you know, that's pretty much it there. So, so. I know that you provide excellent service, as I mentioned before, to your clients. Um, like, what's your backstory? I mean, I know this is part of who you are as a person, but I feel like you've come from like a service to be like mindset um, before, you know, entering the mortgage business. What's your backstory? And, and why do you think it's 
you know, I mean, I know you kind of already said why you think it's so important. Um, but what's your backstory? Why, why do you go that extra step rather than just getting them to the closing table? Yeah. So actually growing up, I grew up in the restaurant business, right? So from 13 years old, all the way till 23, you know, 10 years, I was from a dishwasher to a server bartender. So I was always in a service industry where, you know, people would come and sit down with their family. They're there for 45 minutes. They don't know what's gone on through the day, right? You want to make sure that's the best experience for them. So I took all the hard work that went into, you know, building what I built in the restaurant business to making sure every customer that came in was super happy and transitioned that into the mortgage world. But in between that, right, working in the restaurant business and getting into the mortgage business, I ultimately wanted to be a police officer, right? I wanted to give back to the community. I wanted to help people. It was always since I the day, you know, the day I was born, I just always felt the need to want to service people and give them, you know, something to make their day or whatever it was. And going to school and all that to be, you know, criminal justice, become a police officer. We obviously saw that industry change a little bit. And I was like, well, what can I do where I can have a positive impact on people's lives? And, you know, I had family members, you know, in the mortgage business and I started to learn more about it and was like, this could be a perfect fit for me. And in between, you know, school and taking my civil service test, I got in the mortgage business and absolutely fell in love because I could see that you could take somebody and, you know, you could be a huge chapter of their life of helping them purchase a house or, you know, whatever the new chapter may be, like you can make that positive impact. So from working in restaurants to becoming a police officer to, you know, tying that all into the mortgage world, I've always been so service-based. I just get a satisfaction out of it. So that's awesome. So when you decided to get into the mortgage business, um, first of all, how many years has it been now? It's been going on seven years now at this point. So okay. it's not quick, but awesome. Seven is my lucky number, by the way. Um, so when you joined, when you first, you know, joined the brokerage, um, I, I know it's not the one that you were with. You had a few transitions. I'm always stuck with the same team though. Did you see yep. a need for something different in the mortgage business? Did you see um, a need for this extra level of service? Yeah, well, especially in this business where there's so many mortgage reps, just like there's so many real estate agents, you know, not necessarily do you see it going into it, but as you see things play out and you see transactions being closed that you're not necessarily a loan officer on, you kind of start to pick and say like, all right, well, they could have done that better. They could have done this better. And, you know, I've always been one to who wants to learn from the top people in the business, right? So I want to pick off all of them, kind of make my own route and be like, all right, this is how I want to do it. Um, but especially like when clients call you and they say, oh, I was pre-approved and this deal blew up and all of this, I started to see my need fit more into that where, you know, I was getting that phone call at the 11 hour, like, Hey, Will, can you do this? How do we fix this? And being able to fix that, get them to the closing table. Now I just gained a real estate agent partner. I gained clients for life. You know, I started to see like, wow, I could really make a difference by, you know, instead of being their 11th hour phone call, I want to be their first phone call and make it smooth all the way through. So Absolutely. I love that. And, you know, I, I mean, I see you, you have accolades all the time. You're like the most loved, like, and I'm not, you know, I'm not just, I'm not biased. I see it. I hear it all the time. I mean, I see you at the realtor convention and I come to the table where, where your company is and I'm like, where's Will? And they're like, everybody wants to know where Will is all the time. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm like, that. cause he's so great. <laughs> 
Yeah. Which once again, it just ties back to, you know, I've never been a salesy type of person, right? Because I don't like that. Like if you go to buy a car or you go to buy furniture, you know, you get that like ick feeling when someone's coming up to you because they just want to make a sale and get you out the door. I've always been the person that wants to build a relationship. And I feel like if you like who you work with and you genuinely grow that friendship, everything else just falls in place. Like, yeah, you have to be good at your job and do all of that, but there's nothing better than closing a transaction that you got referred from a now friend who's a real estate agent, right? Because it's just once again, building that team, that chemistry, that's just, there's something different about it. So. Are you often looking for a trusted real estate agent out of your area to refer your clients? Someone that will treat your clients with the same level of service and integrity that you would? Perhaps you're an agent ready for a change or new agent looking to join a brokerage that offers top-of-the-line technology and a great support system to help you grow your business. One of the things I love about this podcast is connecting with like-minded people in the real estate space and entrepreneurs who love what they do and run their businesses from a place of authenticity with a no like and trust mentality. If this sounds like you and you're interested in being part of my referral network of trusted agents across the country, or if you'd like to learn more about my brokerage, let's connect. You can email me at bettyrussohomes at gmail.com. That's B-E-T-T-I-R-U-S-S-O-H-O-M-E-S at gmail.com. So you mean I'm not your only real estate friend, (laughs) real estate agent friend? But it's just, I love the relationship aspect of the business. I do too. I do too. I'm with you on that. So I know like your communication, and I know this from experience, your communication with the real estate agents that you work with is over the top. Um, You communicate every single step of the way. And to be honest, because we are being honest here, right? I never, before working with you, I didn't realize how many steps were involved and, uh, you know, I was hearing from you all the time with, with different updates. And I'm like, wow, this is like, this is happening. This is happening. Like I always just in the past, just kind of waited for the process to happen. Never really knew too much about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit um, about the mortgage process? What are the different steps? Um, and why do you find it so important? Again, this is going back to your level of service, but why do you need to keep your agents in the loop at all times? Yeah, so I'll kind of answer that question first and we'll go through the steps. So I think it's super important because you know, you're know you not just getting phone calls from myself or even the buyer, right? You're going to get phone calls from the listing agent. The attorneys could call you. You're trying to schedule inspections and everything else. So if I can keep you in the loop all the way through, you don't feel like you're in the dark, right? So if the listing agent calls you like, hey, what's going on with Blow Mortgage? You could say, oh, I already talked to Will yesterday. The appraisal came in good. This is good. That's good, right? So it just makes you look like a rock star even on the other side. So I always want to, you know, update you along the way as well as the buyer because they're, you know, I always put myself in your shoes and their shoes. So, you know, maybe they have to schedule the moving truck. They're packing boxes. They got to take off of work. It's it's a lot more than just me showing up and like, oh, hey, yep, your appraisal came in. You're cleared to close. Like there's so many other factors in the background that a lot of people in this business may not take into account. Um, mm-hmm. They just, you know, there's just another number and hey, if it closes, it closes. And I've never been that type. Um, once again, going back to the restaurant industry to becoming a police officer and all that, that it's just, I want to once again, do whatever I can to make everyone else's job easier and keeping you updated is just a part of it. 
So, so you're, you're looking out for like the whole picture and everybody yeah. that's involved. Exactly. Cause for all I know, that's that listing agent, maybe they don't give me business now, but what if, you know, they have another listing that I get, they get a pre-approval on and they go, Oh, I know, Will. we just closed the deal. And Betty was the buyer's agent and it was a super smooth transaction. Like he's very reputable, right? It's not just like, it's a one and done thing. Cause the business is small, especially getting into the market we're getting in where a lot of those, you know, real estate experts that have been in the business a long time are really going to shine. Your reputation's everything. So exactly. that all goes into play of keeping everybody updated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely talk about the steps now, right? So when you get somebody that comes to you and they say, hey, I want to buy a house. Well, first step is where's the financing come from? Do you have cash? Not a lot of people do, right? So they want to call a mortgage person and get pre-approved. So they would reach out to me and you know, I take all their information down. We go through a credit report together. We go through numbers. We see where they're comfortable. We see what fits their needs, right? Because everyone's going to be different. And, you know, in the midst of this conversation, I learn a lot about them. They learn a lot about me. And once we go through all these numbers, I say, great, I'm going to send you a short list of some documents to gather up to get over to me so I can just verify everything that you told me, right? Because not that saying buyers, you know, may lie to you or, you know, withhold information, but they may not realize that certain things that went on in their life previously could affect them for a mortgage. So for example, someone could say, hey, well, I make $100,000 a year, blah, blah, great. You're qualified for this. Now send me all these documents and I look over your pay stubs and you pay child support every two weeks. And now all of a sudden you realize how that doesn't, you know, how that could affect you because that's another debt you have to pay, right? So it's reaching out to me. We go through all your numbers. You send me all your paperwork so that I can verify everything you told me is true. Once that's done, I send out your pre-approval letter with my name on it, right? So that, you know, you as the buyer's agent, if you don't know me, you can call me with questions. When you present offers, they can call and verify information. Um, But once the offer is accepted, that's when you actually do a formal loan application. We order an appraisal while home inspection is getting done. The loan's through underwriting. Underwriting approves it. But this is always the biggest, you know, misconception in this business and with a lot of people that aren't educated as far as like when it goes to buying a house is when your loan goes through underwriting and you get that loan approval, there's still things on there that you have to satisfy, right? Mm -hmm. It'll say, you know, hey, your loan's approved based on your credit and your income, but, you know, I need maybe an updated pay stub, an updated bank statement. We have to make sure the appraisal comes back at value, make sure there's no judgments or liens on the property and, you know, finalize home insurance. Right. But there's always a couple, there could be a couple of things that come back on that approval that maybe a loan officer didn't catch up front. So a real estate agent or a seller could hear, oh, the buyers of my house are approved. Like this is a done deal. And all of a sudden the 11th hour, it's like, wait, why aren't they ready yet? Right. So it's things can come up through underwriting that you have to satisfy. Well, because you're approved doesn't mean you're, you're done and ready to go. Right. Right. So, you know, once the loan's approved, we get the appraisal back, we get the judgment search. We get those other conditions that were outstanding from the underwriter and we send it all back in. And at that point, they'll clear the loan to close. That means they they have the collateral. The appraisal was good. There's no judgments or liens on it. All the documentation from the client has been satisfied. Great. Now we can actually set up that closing date and close. So. And in between, right, if there was any judgments or liens, you're working with a title company, I'm sure, uh, yeah. to get those cleared up and and all of that good stuff. Yeah. And, that, and that's where you kind of see the difference. And, <clears throat> and we're going to get into this a little bit later, why it's so important to partner with a, a good loan officer, because you have things that could come up that 
let's say someone did have child support from years ago, but you know, or another judgment that never got satisfied. And you're on the phone with your client, like, Hey, you have to satisfy this judgment. Or you can't close. It's a lien against you. Well, Will already did that. The an average loan officer could say, all right, well, you're going to have to figure it out and give me the documents where my team is, you know, we're calling the court. We're, you know, looking up doc numbers. We're trying to do everything we can so that I can just take that away from the client and say, listen, this came up, tell me what it is. Great. All right. I'm going to work with my team to try to fix this for you as soon as possible. I'm going to get you back into it if I need, right? Because they're already stressed enough with packing and everything else. I'm going to let them know because this could be a big issue. But most of the time, it's just, you know, something didn't get filed or whatnot. And I try to get everything, all my ducks in a row, go back to them and say, great, this is all I need you to do. I did everything else. Where if you're working with, you know, a bigger bank to them, you could just be another number and they just send you a list and say, hey, upload it when you get it. And they don't know where to start. They don't know to call the court or get their attorney involved or what they have to show. So that level of experience is kind of what differs. Wow. And this is really, I say, an extra service to you. It's it's part of your process, but it's, yep. it's like an extra service that, I mean, I never really even gave any thought to. So that's yeah, fantastic. And there's, and there's just other things that come up along the way, too, that I feel you know, working with a good lender that's closed a lot of transactions, they just do things just a little bit different just to relieve that little bit of stress. Cause the last thing you want to do is get to that closing table and be like, well, everything was fine until child support had to come up and I had to go to the court and I had to do this, take off of work and all. And then you're just blindsided with all of this, where if the loan officer does what they can, they get you involved, they get the client involved, they let everybody know what's going on. You don't have that at the end. So, yeah. I mean, that's so, so helpful for, for everyone involved, you know, including the agents. I know that whenever um, I have a deal coming together, I'm always like, all right, we got through the next step, like, yep. but I'm not going to celebrate until like we actually close because I know that there's so many things that could come up between now and then. And it's like, I take a breath, I take a deep breath. Okay. We got through that part, you know? So just knowing that there's somebody like you that's handling uh, a lot of the fine details, those type of details that I wouldn't necessarily be involved in. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, like there's that, then there's, there's, there's a million and one little things that get into it too, of like, you know, right before closing a lender will always, they do, you know, what's called a soft pull on your credit report. 10 days before closing to make sure you didn't take out any new debts or get any new inquiries. Like those people that want to go out and buy furniture. Oh no, right? no, no. Exactly. <laughs> we call you, we call your employer up 10 days before closing to say, Hey, just making sure, you know, John Smith's still working at his job and you've had it in the past where they're like, no, John Smith just left. He's buying a house. He wanted some time off of work. Uh-huh. Now all of a sudden, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Cause everything and the way you got to think about it is, as a lender, we do all this work up front so that we know, hey, we've done all our due diligence. So when you close on the house, you're going to repay back the loan. But it's always that little bit at the end, because one of the things that happens is when a loan closes, most banks take their loan and they sell the servicing rights to someone else. That's so right. when the servicer takes the loan over, especially in this market where they're not buying thousands and thousands and thousands of loans, because obviously refis have slowed down, purchases have slowed down. Now they're going through this loan with a fine tooth comb and they're calling to say, hey, I know you spoke to blah, blah, blah from Crown Home Mortgage 10 days before this borrower closed. You said they worked there. Is that true? Yep, that's true. Right. It's making sure that they didn't open up any new debt. So, you know, it's also that when you go to sell that loan that you want to know issues to come up 
because the last thing you want is a loan that can't be sold. And then next thing you know, it's back on you as a loan officer that, hey, this borrower, they don't have the ability to repay this loan. They don't have a job or they just bought all this brand new furniture before they closed and you guys didn't catch it. So just little things like that, that, that go into every single loan that we don't necessarily talk about just because you'd be getting phone calls all the time. But those major milestones, I feel everyone should know just so that it's, you know, they can ease their sellers or you can ease, you know, the listing agent, the attorneys and so forth, just to be on the same page. Awesome. So I have to ask you something. Um, We hadn't previously talked about this, but you brought this up and now I'm curious, like that loan selling process, like how does, what is that all about? So what a lot of lenders do is they use their own money to close loans, right? So they have a bunch of lines of credit through different banks, you know, different investors that want a certain cup of tea. And, you know, we can shop a loan with all these different investors. Some give better rates than others. So we can choose the best rate for the client. And when the loan closes and that ultimately becomes the servicer, what, what they're saying is, hey, we'll give you some money up front so that we'll hold this loan for five years, 10 years, 30 years, however long this client's going to hold it. We want to make the interest on it, but we're going to give you a portion of that interest up front to take over the servicing rights, right? So it's almost like a bank, a lot of banks that do sell the servicing, it's, you know, hey, when we closed the loan, we used our own money, we got that back, plus we got, you know, some interest ahead of time. And now this bank is going to service your loan, right? They're going to make the interest off it in the long run. Um, but where that comes into play with us, that's a benefit is let's say you go to your local bank and they don't like your loan for whatever reason, and they want to deny it, or they want to give you higher interest. We can shop that around with 10, 15, 20 banks to see maybe you fit their cup of tea of what they're buying right now. So now you got mm-hmm. a better rate than you were to go there. Uh, or, okay. You know, you have you can provide less documentation because we went with this bank versus a local bank, right? So it's there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, you know, the, there's really no negative side besides hoping you know doing all your due diligence just to make sure that when that loan closes that you know there was no fraud involved, there was nothing like that. Um, you know, you've just done everything you can so that that borrower did show the ability to repay. So I was going to ask you, like, what what is the benefit over you know taking out a, a loan with Crown Home? mortgage uh, versus a big bank. And, and I think you just answered that. Are there any other benefits? Yeah. So it's, you know, one, we get to, you know, shop your cup of tea with all these different investors and give you the best rate possible, but you know, we control a lot of the process, right? So if you're using me to do your mortgage, you're going to deal with me hand in hand all the way through. Now, when your loan gets approved, there are processors that step in to collect documentation, but I'm still there. I'm still talking the clients through it. They get my cell phone number. So if there's, you know, clients that can't sleep because they feel like something just came up at eight o'clock at night, they can text me. You can't call your local bank at eight o'clock at night. Most of them to get an answer. Same thing with weekends or holidays. Um, You know, it's working hand in hand with them, letting them know that you're here for them. They're not calling an 800 number. Same thing with when their offer gets presented. Listing agents now are doing their due diligence. But hey, before I take your offer you know, I wanted to reach out to you. I see you answered your cell phone, you know, Hey, you had a voicemail, right? A lot of some lenders you call in their voicemail box is full or they don't even have one set up. You know, that's a red flag, but you know, they want to reach out just to see like, Hey, you're a human on the other side. You're local. Um, you've done your due diligence, right? We can't talk credit and financials, but I could say I've seen all their documentation. We've pulled a credit report. They're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, just little things like that, where, you know, you're, you're not really relying on the reputation of your company 
when you when you work for a bank like ours, like your reputation's everything. Where if you work for a bigger bank, like you know, everyone could just be a number because your phone's ringing all the time with leads. Every loan that we're getting, people have to remember it's coming from a realtor we grew a partnership with, or a past client's family member or friend. So we want to do great by everybody because that person came from somebody that we, you know, most likely know very closely. So where if you go to a big bank, you could just be another number and kind of just get put out there and, you know, maybe you're left, you know, to hang, you know, out and dry and just, you don't feel that same level of love, I guess. You know what? Um, come to think of it, banks also, I mean, mortgage is not their only business. Exactly. You know, there's something to say about zoning in on, on your niche, so to speak. Um, and, and I know mortgage is your focus when banks have so many other things going on. And the other thing too, to think about is, you know, most loan officers that work for bigger banks, they really get paid a salary, right? So whether your loan closes or not, they get paid. Now, yeah, they'll get a little bit of commission here and there. But the thing to think about, just like real estate agents, unless your deal closes, nobody makes any money, right? So we're not, we're not, you know, we are in this because we love what we do. I love what I do every day. I love the service end of it. But obviously we're in it for, you know, we want to make money. We want this to be our lifestyle, um, right? So it goes back into, you want to do great service by everybody. You want more referrals to come in because ultimately that's how you feed your family, right? Where bigger banks, they're making their money, whether you close or not on the other end, most likely, you know, so. I never thought about that. Yeah. So that's just another little point to add. That makes a difference. Yeah. So you had previously mentioned about when you issue a mortgage pre-approval. Yeah. You specifically said pre-approval. What is the difference between pre-approval and pre-qualification? Yeah. So the easiest way to do it is a pre-approval, you know, we're looking at credit. You know, I go through every credit report that I look at, I go through with the client hand in hand, right? Because maybe there's stuff on there that's not supposed to be. Maybe they co-signed or maybe someone took out a debt in their name that they didn't know. So I'm going through their credit report with them, educating them on, you know, maybe there's ways to improve it or maybe it's good to go. But we're looking at the credit. We're looking at income documents, pay stubs, W-2s, tax returns, whatever it may be, just to verify that everything that client put in, whether they filled the app out online or they told me over the phone, is good to go. And once again, touching back what I said previously is when I give that pre-approval letter, my name and license is on it. I want to make sure that there's going to be, you know, obviously things come up along the process, but I want to do everything I can to make sure that that pre-approval is valid because once again, it's our tie, it's tied to your reputation. Last thing you want is this deal blowing up because they were never pre-approved because you didn't look at credit or you didn't look at those documents where a pre-qual letter, they could fill out some information online and Hey, based off of, and this happens a lot with self-employed people, someone owns a business and they're like, oh, I make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay, great. Well, based on that, you're, you're pre-qualified for uh-huh. half a million dollars. Well, when you look at tax returns, maybe they're $500,000, they write off to 30,000 because that's what they want to pay tax on. Now, all of a sudden it's no, Mr. Smith, you're, um, you know, you're, you did make a half a million dollars, but you only showed the IRS 30,000. That's what the lender has to go off of. Now all of a sudden they don't, they're not qualified anymore. Uh-huh. Um, but another thing, and I know you and I were to talk about this is, you know, I verify all the documents, verify as much as I possibly can to issue that pre-approval. And then I take all those documents and I actually send them into an underwriter. 
So while you're out there shopping with a pre-approval, over the next few business days, an underwriter is actually going to look over your documents. So it's another set of eyes. And they're going to say, all right, Will, you were right. You calculated everything correctly. I'm actually going to give you a, a TBD commitment, right? To be determined mortgage commitment based on them finding a property, getting an appraisal, that judgment search. But this is an actual commitment from an underwriter, right? So it's, not, it's taking even what I verified, putting another stamp on it and sending that out. And that's just one, it gives me the reassurance like, all right, yeah, I did read all of this correctly, right? Because maybe I might have missed something, you know, rarity that it happens, but it could happen. And, you know, what that's going to do for you who's shopping around a buyer is that's as good, almost as good as cash, right? Of saying, hey, they've already been underwritten. Underwriter looked at all their stuff. They literally have to give their earnest money deposit, their EMD check, get an appraisal, get title, and we can close. And that mm-hmm. takes that closing window, makes it a lot shorter, wow. the offer. So, you know, those are the two things I do on every loan that I can. So, so it's just interesting. We have three pieces here. We have pre-qualification, pre-approval, underwriting. Now yep. I can tell you when I'm looking at multiple offers and I see a pre-qual versus a pre-approval, yep. that pre-qualification is a red flag in comparison to the pre-approval? Like, why didn't you go the extra step? How do I know that you really can afford to buy this house? But then occasionally, and I say occasionally because I'm actually a little baffled at why it doesn't happen all the time. I'll get an offer where the, the buyer's agent will say, They've gone through the underwriting process already. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. (laughs) One less thing to worry about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes such a huge difference in that buyer's offer. Um, Just having the pre-authorization is so much better. I mean, uh, yeah, than than having, um, wait, did I say that right? Having the pre-approval is so much better than having the pre-qual. But then when they go that extra mile and they have, you know, that underwriting process, it's just, it's just, it makes such a world of difference. Yeah. Um, at, at least at our company too, is that underwriter that looked at their documents and issued that TBD commitment, that's their underwriter until the day they close. So they've already looked at their stuff. It's not like we're going to send it to a different underwriter who now all of a sudden is going to calculate something different or something else might come up. So they already have their loan officer with me they have their underwriter with, you know, whoever's working in-house for us. And, you know, the one thing it does strengthen too is, you know, let's say you have your normal W-2 client works a job, you know, 40 hours a week or gets a salary. We can offer them a 21 day close now that they have their commitment. So when you go to put an offer in, you could say, listen, are my buyers ready to close in 21 days? Like, yeah, we'll have to move fast on the appraisal and title and so forth, but they've already been looked at. They have their, you know, TBD commitment. We'll close in 21 days. We don't need 45. We don't need 60 where someone else could be putting a little bit extra money down, but maybe it's not a reputable bank. Maybe it's a prequal, like you're saying, or maybe it's an 800 number that, you know, the the listing agent requires a call and, you know, they can't get anyone on the phone. And I recently had a client who went, you know, they had to go 15% down versus another offer that was 25%. But that other offer was with a bank that was an 800 number. They couldn't get the person on the phone. They called me, I answered, validated our information, and they took our offer with less money down and it was a little less of an offer mm-hmm. because they felt it was more, the, we were more, 
I guess, suitable for their seller and we were going to close them faster. They felt so, more confident, right? Yep. In, uh, in, in that offer too, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go from one extreme to the other. So why is a pre-qualification letter even a thing in this day and age? And you know what it is? why don't all mortgage companies, mortgage lenders, why don't they all go the extra step through the underwriting? Yeah. So I feel like a prequal letter is like those things you get for credit cards in the mail where it says, Hey, you're pre-qualified to uh-huh. get a car through discover at 0% for 24 months. Then you fill it out online and you're actually denied. To me, that's what I feel like a prequal letter is. But I feel at the same time too, you have buyers who want to give you information, but not have you run their credit or not show you tax documents or anything. They just want a prequal letter to start shopping. They're not too serious. They're tire kickers. Right. So that's where certain banks will say like, oh, I'll give a prequal letter where if you're going to call me, like I'll give you all the education you want under the sun, all my time and information, but I'm not going to issue you any sort of letter unless you're ready to take that next step. Just because a pre, once again, a prequal letter, it means nothing, right? It's just a piece of paper that, you know, all the information on it could change. The reason I think a lot of, lend, you know, some lenders may do that is, you know, let's say you call a big bank and you're, you have somebody who's just in a call center, you know, they're getting paid hourly to sit there and answer phones and take information. You know, once again, whether your loan closes or not, they don't necessarily, you know, benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So at that point, they're probably just like, yep, all right, great. We'll send you a prequal letter, get us these documents. We'll turn into a pre-approval. You satisfied what that buyer want, wanted at that time. So that's why they got a prequal because they weren't being told like, hey, your, your offer is not going to get accepted with a prequal. You have to make it a pre-approval if you're serious. Now let's let's run your credit. And once again, going back to the, I'm not the salesy type. If you're not ready, I am never going to push a client. I will give you all the information. I'll give you hypotheticals until you're blue in the face. But unless you're ready to make that step, I don't want you out shopping because once again, as a real estate agent, you don't, you don't want to be showing people 15 houses over the weekend and this person may not be qualified, right? Especially with the price of gas now and giving up your own time with your family, you're driving this person around with a prequal. At the end of the day, they could put an offer in that means essentially nothing and you maybe have drove them around for three months. And that would be a, that would be a big gut punch to you guys. Hey everyone, Christine here. Are you spending lots of time behind a screen creating listing and marketing collateral when you could be out meeting with clients? Introducing Posted Meme Creative. We're a marketing services company that removes the burden of sitting behind a screen and saves you time so you can focus on building your business. We know sitting behind a screen creating collateral isn't making you money. We also understand that you may not be ready to hire someone to do the things you know need to be done. And that's where we come in. Posted Beam Creative produces gorgeous, custom design collateral for every single listing. And we provide an online community with marketing tools, education from experts across our industry, and a playground of pros like you. Embrace the work you love and empower yourself by delegating what you don't love. Let Post and Beam help you. Visit postandbeamcreative.com for more information and to schedule a one-on-one meeting with me. Sometimes a buyer will want to work with their own lender, as we touched on before. How does a real estate agent get them to reach out to you instead? Yeah. So the one thing that I would say it's kind of a hard objection to come over is let's say they say, oh, listen, my uncle's in the mortgage business, right? Well, hey, you would hope as a real estate agent that their family member would never guide them wrong, would be over the top with them because 
Anytime you do business with family, you never want to mess it up, right? But most people, they don't have family members in the business. So the one misconception that buyers have is, well, this bank already ran my credit. I don't want to hurt my credit anymore. I'm going to stay with them. The day they run your credit, you have 45 days to shop that with any lender in the world, right? As many times as you want. And yes, you get the inquiry because by law, you need to know if someone's looking at your information, but it will not affect your credit score. What people don't understand, and they think back to the car industry of, well, when I got a car, they ran my credit 10 times and my credit dropped 20 points. The reason your credit dropped 20 points wasn't because the inquiries. That first inquiry maybe dropped at five points. All those other ones were just different banks looking at your information. They're allowed, they were allowed to do that, or you have a 45-day window. Mm -hmm. What dropped your credit was you probably took your oldest debt that you had, right? Your oldest loan of maybe six years of paying it on time, which was your car. You traded that in. So now that debt's gone. So now your credit history went from seven years to zero and you took out a new car. So now all of a sudden your average age of credit history went from seven years of on-time payments to zero because now you don't have an active loan. And now you just bought a new car. That's ultimately what pulled your score down. So to answer your question is they think that they can't shop it around. They don't have the power to do that because it's going to affect their credit. And they're so serious about buying a house. They've worked so hard to get their credit up. Last thing they want to do is mess it up by talking to someone else. So once again, 45-day window from when they initially get their credit run. If they don't find a house realistically in three, three and a half months, they're going to have to get their credit run again before they start the mortgage process. That's they're only right. For, they're only good for four months, and then you have to pull a new credit report in the mortgage business. So they're allowed to shop around. It doesn't hurt to talk to somebody else because one of the things, anytime an agent flips a buyer to me, I can say probably 70% of the time that, that buyer had no idea what closing costs were. No idea. They knew they knew they needed a down payment, but they're like, what is this extra ten dollars to $12,000 for closing costs? We didn't go through that. And all of a sudden it's like, well, Will, we don't have that much money. So then I'm restructuring it and saying, all right, well, don't put down 20%, maybe put down 15 because then you have extra money. So you're, you're only going to do your, your, yourself and your clients a service by saying, here's my trusted lender, reach out to them. It's not going to hurt your credit. You know, you don't have to use them at the end of the day, but maybe he's going to educate you enough on other things that maybe you didn't know, just so that you're super informed about the biggest purchase of your life, right? When people want to go buy a car or even we'll even, we'll, backtrack of really, really tiny. They want to go out to a restaurant. Mm -hmm. That person will go on the internet and they will look up every review under the sun. But because one, one or one review said six months ago that the pizza didn't taste good, they won't go to that place. Right. But they won't actually look up their lender. It's just, oh, someone told me to call them. I've made sure through all the years of doing this, that I built such a good reputation and all of my reviews are online, whether, you know, the transaction was 100% perfect, or there was a little bump in the road, you can go on and view 300 reviews. And they're not all five stars. I'll say about 98% of them might be. But there's those couple that are 4.33, because they're nine out of 10 likely to recommend you or whatnot. And I like those reviews, because it shows that it's real. But <laughs> that's what we have to remember is that this person is just so they want to buy a house, but they're just a little weary about their credit being run. That's always the first stop. So if you're just like as a real estate agent, just say, listen, it's not going to hurt your credit, you know, reach out to them. Maybe they give you more information. Maybe you like them more, maybe you don't, but it's just, it's just going to give you as much information as humanly possible for the biggest purchase of your life. 
And once you kind of put that and you kind of take them out of the little box that they're in, because they're just so afraid to do anything. Like most people think they can't use their credit cards anymore. I can't touch any amount of money in my bank. And I don't know what to do with this or what to do with that. Once you kind of pull them out of that box and relax them and show them, you know, X, Y, and Z. Now all of a sudden they're like, all right, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. This is the biggest purchase of my life. And I'm going to have this mortgage payment for realistically four or five years before I probably sell it. Why don't I call one more person? You right. know, just like home insurance or car insurance, someone gets a new car, they'll just call up their old car insurance company and then they'll take it and whatever. They will just add it on. Yeah. Yeah. They won't think that, you know what, maybe it's, t- maybe it's time to actually shop this around. And yes, you have to give the same information and all of that. But if it's the difference of you closing or not, you saving a couple thousand dollars at closing or not, or your payment being cheaper a month or not. Mm-hmm. So many people, and I'll use Quicken as an example, because they're a marketing company that does mortgages. They, most of the time, if you look at a closing disclosure with them versus us, they always charge a couple thousand dollars more an interest that goes directly to them at closing. So many people will use them because they go online, they fill out, it's easy, they get their letter, they're done, right? Uh-huh. Which they can do with us too, but you're gonna, I'm going to get on the phone with you and educate you through the process. But they don't even think like, oh, wow, I just spent an extra $4,000 when I didn't have to. I didn't even think about that. That could have went to the moving truck. That could have went to new plates and home goods shopping and furniture. So much. Yep. So I think just once again, it's pulling them out of the box. It's it's okay to get your credit run. It's not going to hurt you. And wouldn't you want the most information possible about the biggest purchase of your life? Right. And they won't second guess you. That makes so much sense. I'm so going to use all of that. Yes. <laughs> it really makes a lot of sense. That's very helpful. Thank you. you got so it. this conversation would not be complete if we didn't talk about, you know, the current state of not really the real estate market. Uh, we talk about that a lot, but not for today. Like, let's just really quick dig into mortgages a little bit, um, because that has changed so much in the past few months. Yes. So especially if you have, you know, old prospects and old buyers, one of the things we're seeing now, and this is everybody in this realist, you know, in this industry, whether you're title attorney, realtor, mortgage, we have more time to do things now than we've ever had the past, you know, realistically two and a half years. Right. So, you you know, real estate agents, if you have old prospects, they might think all rates have gone up. I'm going to wait for them to go down. It's a waste of time now. But if you're out there in the field and you're talking with other agents, you know, you can inform your buyers, no, now is the best time, right? And people might think, well, why is it the best time? I want to have the highest interest rate. Well, what that rate has done is it took buyers that weren't too serious, kind of pushed them to the side. But if you have somebody who has a why of, I want to buy a house because of X, Y, and Z, great. You can go find the house of your dreams today with less competition, get into that. And hey, after six mortgage payments, go refinance when rates drop next year. Right. Yes. Projections, inflation is going to drop. There's no prepayment penalties. You can always refi the rate. And they always say, date the rate, marry the house. Yes. Right? You're only going to have that payment for six months. After that, that's okay. Most clients that call me now, they understand rates are in the sixes, now going into the sevens. They understand it, but they want to buy a house because of X, Y, and Z. So wouldn't you rather spend a couple hundred dollars more a month now for maybe six months until you refi instead of? paying rent. And I talked to somebody yesterday who's based out of Philadelphia. His rent is going from $3,200 a month to over $5,000 in January. So you think he's he's ready to buy a house? So don't think that those old prospects, it's that hard of a phone call. 
to pick up and, re- and reach out to them and say like, hey, are you still interested in buying a house? Listen, I know rates are high, but there's less competition than ever. And there's different financing solutions that are coming out now too, where you can actually, and we won't get too much into detail, people can reach out and kind of find out, but you can have the seller give a credit to the buyer. And that credit, instead of going towards closing costs, gets held by the lender. And they actually apply that for the first 24 months of those mortgage payments. So what it breaks it down to is the first year, your rate is almost 2% cheaper. So if you lock in at 7% for year one, you're paying a mortgage as if your rate's 5%. Year two, you're paying it as if it's 6%. And then year three through 30, it's whatever you locked in at when you bought the house. So what Mm -hmm. that's doing is taking that initial, oh, I want to wait for rates to go down. Well, guess what? They're not going to drop back down to two and a half, right? Unless something crazy happens. Realistically, I I expect that you're going to see five to five and a half percent, which will still save people a lot of money. But if you can have that now anyway, by using unique financing solutions to get into the house you want, utilizing a great realtor who can negotiate a, a credit for you or a good sales price, why not do that now? Because your rent's only going to keep increasing or you're going to live with family that you don't want to live with maybe for another eight or nine months. And then now all of a sudden rates drop. You want to go find a house. Now, all of a sudden, there's all these different buyers. Right. right. So that's just kind of my little spin on where the market is now and why you need to pair with a good lender and all this stuff, because they can help you reach out to older prospects where it's not just like, hey, you want to go see houses? I get it. Inventory is not that high, but neither is competition. So maybe they find the right one. Right. You know, there's always a reason why someone needs to move. There's people always get married. They always get divorced. They always, you know, they have kids, they outgrow their house. There's always a reason why life changes, which is why this business never stops. Right. Okay. And in the whole scheme of things, I mean, rates are not really that high. I mean, they're high in comparison to the last two and a half years or actually more than that. The last many years we've had low rates. But in the whole scheme of things, I mean, you know, those low rates that we experienced were not normal. Yep. Um, so a Black Friday sale for a couple realistically, of Realistically, yeah, the rates are not high, um, but I get it. They're higher than they were. So, okay. Well, uh, most of our listeners are realtors. Okay. Yes. What three action items? do you recommend for them to implement into their business right now uh, to help them build no like, and trust with yes. their clients? So kind of going back on what we talked about, you know, when we first started is pair yourself with a great lender, right? One, they're going to calm down those buyers that are freaking out about rates. They're going to educate them and get their offer as strong as possible so that when that right one does come up, after maybe a month or two of waiting, and there's only a few listings here or there, you can actually have an opportunity and snag it, right? You're not going to get beat out by somebody else. So pair yourself with a great lender. Then it's, you know, number two would be working with that lender, building that relationship with them, where learning about all these different financing solutions will only help you as an agent, whether you're listing a house or you're you have buyers trying to buy a house, right? Because with that one product we talked about where the seller can offer that credit, let's say you have a listing for $700,000. And instead of reducing the price $25,000 to get more buyers to come in, why don't you just offer maybe a $10,000 credit towards their interest rate? Now, all of a sudden, when people see that, they're like, wow, this seller, yeah, the house is a little bit there, but my payment's going to be way cheaper than if I were to get it for $25,000 less. 
So just doing little things like that, where you can market yourself using your lender to better sell your listings, make yourself look better there. And knowing that those buyers are as pre-approved as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And really number three, it's just, you're going to have, it's getting back out there, right? We, you know, we had the benefit for a couple of years of, you know, all you had to do was be a loan officer or be a real estate agent and you had business. It was falling from trees. Everything was closing. Right now is the perfect time to sharpen all your tools, whether it's, you know, continue education, whether it's learning about mortgages, whether it's learning about inspections, doing everything you can to sharpen every tool in your belt, because now it's going to be, the competition is going to be more fierce than ever, because it's not just you list a house and it'll sell. Certain markets, that might be the case. But what happens when you're a newer agent who's never done a price reduction? How do you have that conversation with your client? Mm-hmm. How do you, everyone waived inspections. Now all of a sudden we have inspections, a bad septic comes up or, you know, it's a structure issue. How do you have that conversation with your client? Right. right. So it's, you know, this is where an experienced agent is really going to excel. And those agents that maybe were just in it for that quick hit and run are going to fall out of it. So doing everything you can as an agent. And once again, putting yourself out there more than you probably have in the past couple of years is only going to help the business. So and now how that relates to no like, and trust. Yes. My next question. <laughs> yes. So if people know you, maybe they'll like you. If they like you, maybe they'll trust you. But if you can get them to trust you, everything else falls in place. Perfect. I love that. I love that. I'm definitely- it actually works the other way too. People will trust you. You know, they'll like you, but to like you, they got to know you. So mm-hmm. you have to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. This has been amazing. Um, Will, how can people find you? So they can email me at will at crownhm.com. My number, which I'm sure we're going to put on here too, is 973-954-1497. That's my cell. People can text and call. And even if there's agents that watch this that you know, maybe they have their own mortgage person, maybe they're they're not in you know states that I'm licensed in and they just want to pick my brain. I'm one who always thinks it's great to partner with people in the industry because nobody understands what we go through unless you're in it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you're in a different state and have your own thing going, be like, let me ask Will about this and this, feel free to reach out. Once again, I'm not salesy. I'm not going to start hounding you. Like, well, who do you give your business to? And It's not like that. It's just like if you were to pick up the phone, Betty, and call me today and just ask me a random question, it's the same thing. So they can always feel free to reach out. Awesome. And you're on social media at in, on Instagram mostly, right? Yes. And we'll, we'll tag it on here too. Um, so that people can have that and they'll, they'll see that we share the videos and all that as well. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm so psyched that you were here. This went a lot deeper than I expected it to um, and a little bit longer. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hanging in there for everyone who is watching or listening to the podcast. Make sure you check Will out, follow him, reach out to him. He's the best. I promise he's fantastic. Um, I highly recommend Will. So Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd love it if you leave us a review and share our show with all your friends. See you next time. Take care, everyone. See you, everybody. Thank you, Betty. Thanks, Will. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, we'd love it if you subscribe and leave a review. 
If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to Christine or Betty on social media for consideration. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Please join us next time for another insightful conversation on incorporating know, like, and trust into your business.